Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Michael Fordham. Look, if you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Or if you like, you can tweet me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Michael Fordham, host of A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. And I want to take a moment to talk with you about a heinous crime against humanity that plagues our nation and, yes, believe it or not, communities just like yours. Here is something that you can do today to lend your support in the fight against human trafficking, also known as modern slavery. Bridge to Freedom Foundation is a nonprofit organization that provides aid to survivors of slavery who now live in the U.S., such as former child soldiers and victims of sex trafficking and forced labor. The cornerstone of Bridge to Freedom's work is personal and professional development to help survivors adapt and thrive in their new lives and communities and find work to support themselves. The Bridge to Freedom Foundation needs your support to help people that are in need, just like Tanya, to ensure that they continue to provide clothing and health and beauty services to these survivors. These are not only important for rebuilding self-esteem, but are critical to finding employment. While donations of needed items are vital, one sure thing that will help stop the spread of this injustice and prevent it from thriving undetected is educating yourselves about human trafficking or modern slavery, knowing the signs and the proper authorities to contact if you become aware of a victim in crisis. Find out more at bridgetofreedomfoundation.org. And if you have reason to suspect that someone may be a victim of human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center hotline at 1-888-373-7888. Multilingual call specialists are on standby 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All calls are confidential. Next up, we welcome the founder of Bridge to Freedom Foundation, Cassandra Clifford. Welcome back to 
a measure of truth. Well, thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me on the show once again. I really appreciate it, and I'm glad to be here. You know, and I want to thank you also for, you know, inviting me to this event. I wish I could have, you know, made it to both, but I learned so much. And to actually meet some of the people that are a part of your organization as well as those that have been helped by the work that you do was really an eye-opener for me. And just tell everyone about these two events and, and the message that you are hoping to put out there. Well, uh, what Michael's talking about, everybody, is we had National Global Human Trafficking Awareness Day on January 11th. And every year uh, since our start, Bridge to Freedom has been putting out an awareness poster where we uh, put an image and a number of tips and facts about human trafficking, including the hotline that was just previously mentioned, to gain awareness and draw attention to the cause itself and the actual day of National Global Human Trafficking Awareness Day. And uh, last year we started doing a panel with speakers who are survivors of human trafficking and modern-day slavery and experts. And this year we were excited to have three very amazing women who are survivors of various forms of human trafficking with us at George Washington Law School. And we're glad to have them join in on the show as well so we can kind of bring that panel back to everybody. But we do it as an awareness event and also to uh, raise a little bit of funding and awareness for Bridge to Freedom, but mostly for the cause itself and connect the community together as per our mission statement. You know, I I watched the um, expressions on the faces of folks who were there and who attended and um, their disbelief at some of the stories and just – thinking that how these things are occurring in everyday life is just something that it really floors you when you understand that all of this could be happening around you and and the signs you would just write off as something totally different than what they actually are. Yes, and I think that was one of the great things we were able to do by having myself as moderating the event and leading, but letting the the ladies who were on the panel, which was Evelyn Chumbau, uh, Elizabeth Corey, and Shonda Warwantu, um, all all of them were able to really give great insight, not to to focus on their stories, but to focus on what is really happening, uh, the reality of the situation, and what needs to be done to actually help bring survivors from a point of surviving to thriving and bring attention so we can finally bring an end to this heinous crime once and for all. Yeah, and one of the things I just want to point out, um, your organization is really special because um, it it helps people to actually recover from the event itself. Um, There are a, a lot of organizations that will help someone get out of a situation where they've been involved in modern-day slavery, but you are part of that rebuilding process, that um, making whole again this person whose life has been taken away from them. Where, where did you come up with this idea and concept? Well, I had spent a number of years working in the field and volunteered with a number of organizations and was a known writer and researcher on the subject matter and related subjects of human rights and children's issues. And I really just started to see some gaps that were missing. One, I saw a lot of workers in the field who were working to support survivors and provide great services that were becoming burnout, didn't feel like they were doing a good job or or that the work they were doing was holding. I saw a number of and a number of survivors were just coming back through the system again and again or finding themselves in situations that were less than desirable, either domestic abuse, drugs, alcohol, or just not where they wanted to be in life in general. And what we really what I started to see that the work that was being done was good, but it was it was immediate rescue and restore. The long term services that we saw were one to three years. And the reality is trauma recovery is not a six week outpatient program. It's a long term life term recovery process. You know, healing is possible but it's something that, you know, needs to occur on a daily basis. Um and it's and it's individualized. Everybody needs different things. Everybody wants different things. It can't be a one-size-fits-all approach. Individuals need to be able to take themselves to have a thriving life, to be able to do what they want. So that first question we, we asked and realized we really were the first to be able to ask it um, was, what do you really want to do with your life? 
And then once we got those questions, we could start to, to piece it together and help them find the tools and resources they needed to achieve the lives that they actually wanted to lead. And it's not about you know us doing it for them or providing. It's just being a support network and helping them find the tools if we don't have them within our organization and connecting them to the right people who do and being there for as long as someone needs our support for however big or small it is. So we do a lot of personal development, a lot of self-worth, positive image um, type of workshops and programming. We do life skills. We do positive, um, besides just positive body image, but we're also working on health and nutrition. We look at setting vision planning workshops and goal setting workshops and, and really just working to sit down and, and see what everybody needs and where they want to go with their life and, and setting that plan into action and working with the changes that happen in life as well, which we all have. Yeah, yeah. And that's something I think that most of us take for granted. I mean, we're, we're talking about people who at one point their lives had changed to the that they no longer had control and they no longer saw a vision for their future or could plan for their own lives until they were able to, you know, get out of the bondage that they were in. So it's something you, I guess you have to rekindle the fire within them that gets them back on track with thinking about, you know, not only I'm out of this situation now, but now I have to think of what I really want to do with my life, what really makes me happy, and, you know, who do I want to be from this point forward. And that's amazing. I mean, that is is just so pinpoint as to what the need is of someone who's been through that type of event. And, and that's one of the things that really um, sort of puts you under the magnifying glasses. One of the first nonprofits that I hosted on this show is because, you know, it was just so clearly defined that you were trying to help. It wasn't a broad-based Band-Aid for um you know, healing the the wound. It was something that really had a laser focus on that person. You know, and with it with any type of trauma that any, whether it's human trafficking or other forms of abuse or long term trauma, when you're in that situation, tomorrow doesn't exist. You're looking on the day to day foundation. So really looking to sit down and plan for the future, even if resources are being provided you know, it's something that, that takes a lot of support. It takes more than just one organization. And that's why I said there's there's so many organizations that were doing a good job. And, and to have, see them feel like their work was coming undone was wrong as well. And to really be able to connect everyone in the community together was our goal so that the survivors had the best network as well. But that there was someone always there. There was organizations that were always there to, to help them with that so that they could sit down and start to, to plan for tomorrow and see that the future was theirs and it could be whatever they wanted, to have that control back over their lives, their bodies, and and have their dreams come true. Many people do know what, did know what their dreams were and what they wanted to do, and they really weren't unachievable. They just needed someone to talk to to sit down that roadmap with. And one of the things uh, of the um, survivors that were on the panel that I was – um, it, it really floored me was their their strength. Um, they had gone through so much, but you could see just based on their ability to articulate everything that had happened to them, that they were not necessarily put it all behind them, but they were in control of their lives and just how strong a person they were, even in the midst of the things that they had gone through. And, um, it was just, it was amazing to hear their stories, especially because they were talking about a life that some of us could hardly imagine. And then to see them out of it, the person who has been birthed out of a situation that was, seemed impossible, where I'm sure that a lot of people give up and commit suicide or just, you know, can no longer tolerate it and find other ways out. But you know, that was just a, an amazing story to hear from each of them in their different ways that they were able to come out of that. So yes, who I, would you bring on first? I think first? what we forget – I'm sorry about that. I think what we forget with survivors is, it, one, why I'm, you don't hear me using the word victim is we're talking about the most resilient people you've ever met in your entire yes. life. 
Mm-hmm. Many of us feel like we can't survive the day-to-day, whether we've had any trauma or not, and life really can take its toll on any of us. But these are men, women, and children with amazing resiliency. They really can and have survived anything. So to be able to provide them just a little bit of support so they can continue that resiliency and start att- you know, achieving things that they really, really want to achieve and they deserve to achieve as with everybody else, regardless of how big or small. I think we can't look to underestimate the person that we're sitting and talking to. These are these are powerful women. And as you saw, by the, just the women that we talked to on the panel, and obviously we have a lot of male survivors and children survivors as well, and regardless of the age and the gender, these are some of the most amazing people that you will ever speak to. Um, they are leaders. They are experts in their field, and I think that's something we really need to learn to take into consideration when we're talking about this issue, when we're talking to survivors. And the other thing being not to focus on the story. What happened? What is your story? How did you get there? Everybody's story is different. Um, everyone got there for through different paths, but their, their stories have similarities. They all have gone through a unique journey that, that bonds them together. The survivor community is very much a family-orientated community um, where they can find that sense of community and understanding among each other. But it's, it's also with the general public realizing that as the first person, we may be one of the people to talk to and we may be the first person, that we, the first thing we need to do is just listen and believe, believe their stories, understand, mm-hmm. regardless of how unfathomable it is that it happened, um, and just listen and be understanding and not try and ask questions like, why didn't you leave? Why couldn't you run? Um, if nobody locked the door, why didn't you, you leave? Uh, why didn't you just walk away from this? It's horrible. And try to understand that it, it's a bigger process than just having the ability to walk out the door. There's a, People are held by force, fraud, or coercion. There's a lot of threats that are unforeseen to the outside eye. But giving these survivors a voice to not be their story, but be their futures. And I think that's where we at Bridge to Freedom really want to focus. We don't ask the question of what happened to you. We ask the question of where do you want to go. And we still look at that with, you know, all of the women that we have on the show today. You know, the stories, that they do tell their stories at times. Remember, every time that they tell their stories or they tell pieces of their story, that it's re-traumatizing. And we don't mm-hmm. want to focus on that. We don't want to focus on the past. We want to focus on the future. That's how we're going to break the cycle of modern-day slavery as well, is by focusing on the future and where do we want to go as a, as a community, where do we want to go as a, as, a, as a unified group that's going to end modern-day slavery, and where do we want to go with those individuals? Where do they want to go? Where's the future? So I think with that, I... I I'm so glad to know that you've brought on these amazing people. Um, and I know that, like I said, each one of these women, and we do have all women, so we're going to be a little pigeonholed today, but each one of these survivors, um, they do have a unique story. And I think one of the, the things that um, that they can all kind of answer to and share with with everyone is, you know, that while they do have very different stories, they have different lives, they have different personalities, they do share a lot in common, and they have this, you know, resounding and unbreakable spirit that is very, uh, it's hard to miss. Um, and, and I think that I think that's one of the best things to have them kind of come on and start talking about is, is really to talk about that bond and strength that they've all found in the, the survivor community um, and what role that they feel that they that it's played in their healing, their advocacy, and how the general community's support has been able to play into that as well, um, as well as is sharing their you know whatever they want to share with their stories this evening and how how our conversation goes. All right, and who are we gonna, who are we going to bring on first? Well, I think uh, Miss Evelyn Chumbo is probably dying to start speaking, <laughs> and I don't know if you want me to introduce a little bit about her or have Evelyn speak for herself. Yes, uh, go ahead, Evelyn. I'm sure you can speak for yourself on that note as well. <laughs> <laughs> I know she can. Welcome to A Measure of Truth, Evelyn. Wow, um, maybe I lost her and she's called back. Evelyn, are you there? Okay. 
Maybe we ought to start with someone else. <laughs> All right. Well, I, hopefully didn't didn't lose her, and we'll get her back because I, I she know may she have muted her own phone. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's what happened. I, I still don't hear her. So, um, who else should we try? Well, I know who's always willing to share her voice and talk is also Chandra. So I know Chandra was on the line earlier as well. Chandra, yes. are you there? Chandra, are you with us? Yes, I'm <laughs> Hello, here. Hello, my darling. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Yes, I'm okay. here. Uh, I would love to tell and share about my story, how I lured to human trafficking in the United States. Uh Actually, this is long ago. Uh, it happened on 2001 when I seek and expanded my employment to United States. I was in Indonesia. I was working in a biggest bank in Indonesia as a financial analyst. Uh, I lost my job because of the politics, the economic turbulence, and everything's like messed up. So I had the newspaper that promised to give us job in United States for six months in the hotel industry as a waitress. So I applied, and the requirement was paying. 3,000 U.S. dollars to get the job. So I paid 3,000 U.S. dollars and I took the test. I passed. I got an invitation letter from hotel, which is located in Chicago. I got my visa. So I flew to New York City. Someone picked me up with my picture and asked me, Are you Chandra? Of course, I said, wow, he picked me up. I have a big dream, an American dream, that I will work six months, get money. The promise was 5000 US dollars a month plus tip. So I was excited. Yes, I am. So I followed him. The fact, he didn't send me to Chicago, but he hand me to another guy, and I saw that, the second person hand the money to the first to the first person that picked me up. I thought it wasn't right. And then at the same night they put me into a sex lease mm. in the brothel in New York City. I couldn't refuse. I had to save my life. So I have to follow the order because they put gun on my head and they threatened me with a knife, with a hunting knife. So I had to be smart according of life. Not enough, they drove me to another place, to another trafficker. It is woman trafficker who came from another country. So all it was organized crime Multiple, multiple traffickers on the world. And soon after they put me in Bayside, uh, another part in New York City, they sold me to another trafficker in Connecticut. So I worked in the brothel for 24 hours, but soon the clock turned 12 a.m., they sent me to Foxwood. Every 45 minutes until one hour, they knock the door and send me to another door. And I had to pay 30,000 US dollars according to my freedom from this job. They held my passport and my ticket so I couldn't run away. Back to, an, to another trafficker, to another trafficker, and... Finally, I end up in Brooklyn. I have faith and hope that kept me alive. And I believe this is, it wasn't my place that one day I will get my freedom. 
So at that night, I planned my escape. About 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning, I jumped out from second floor bathroom, bathroom window to the floor. And I got my freedom. I didn't get any scratch or fractures. And I also helped another girl's life. Two of us ran as fast as we could. We got a phone number from the girl inside the brothel. It was another hope, another hope that kept me alive. So we called that number. Actually, he was another trafficker. Mm. So I had to deal with the last trafficker, and I ran away from him by myself without that young girl. I went to law enforcement, and he didn't listen to me. I went to Consul General of Indonesia, also they didn't listen to me. I went to another pressing, they didn't listen to me. And the last, another pressing on also didn't listen to me, didn't believe me that they thought I just created a story, but thank God that someone listened and believed me. He connected me to FBI and FBI helped to assign law enforcement to investigate my case. And my diary is a big help because I have all the information about my trafficker and also the location. The same day after I was homeless, we rescued girls at the brothel. And the justice spoke up, my trafficker sent to the jail, and I got my freedom. So I'm here with you. I'm alive. And my passion is educate and raise awareness in our community because it is one way to prevent no more people get into the same situation like what I went through. Thank wow. you, Michael. Thank yeah, you. It was Thank you for sharing. Yeah, my and um, I, I can imagine how frightened you were, and you were literally running for your life. And any mistake that you could have made, just like the young lady who ended up with another trafficker. There, there were so many different ways you could have fallen right back into the same situation yeah. that you were in. So it's truly a blessing that you were able to, you know, be wise enough and smart and think your way through that and also to finally find the help that could actually help you, someone who would listen, that would help you to be able to finally um, get the help you needed. So, yeah, thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, not only that, Michael. The mm-hmm. survival was so hard because of even the community didn't mm. know about the issue. Right. So I was homeless, and I asked church to help me. They didn't help me, and they also victimized me. Mm. So it was so hard, and I believe it still happened here now. Like my experience, it's hard for them to go to institution, also to to the people to make them believe that slavery is happen and slavery is real in United States around the world. Yes, it is. Yeah, and and that's the primary reason why I wanted you all to come on to this show to tell your stories. It's just to make it real to people to help them to see that. Yeah, this is what is going on here. Um, when when you see something like this on television or even a commercial talking about organizations like Bridge to Freedom, people tend to think it's going on in other places, um, maybe just in big cities, not in the suburbs or not in areas that yeah. would um, that they could witness and have an impact. But it, it is pretty much everywhere. And um, Evelyn, are you on the line yet? I'm on the line. 
Okay, great. Okay. And um, go ahead and um, tell us um, your story. Well, good evening, everyone. And, Michael, thank you. And, Cassandra, thank you for having survivors on this show. Um, Like Sandra mentioned, we are survivors, and I'm a survivor of child labor trafficking from Cameroon, West Africa. I was trafficked to the United States at the age of nine. Um, I can say, I usually like to say until 21, because even though I was rescued, I still feel like I was still in slavery by the, by you know, by the American government. But anyway, I was mm. trafficked from the age of nine until, I'll say, 21. Um, my trafficker, of course, was also Cameroonian, but an American citizen. And my story basically was I was promised a better education and a better life. My trafficker came to Cameroon and promised my uncle and my mother, stating that I would get a better life if I come to the United States and a better education. And that was the promise that was made to my family. And of course, when I came here, those those was not a, um, those were not exactly what happened. I came here and uh, I became a a slave. I became a slave at the age of nine. I was forced to cook, clean, and take care of two kids. And on top of that, I was not going to school, and I was being abused every day by my trafficker. If you study slavery, just like slavery that happened in in the United States, that was exactly what happened to me when I came here. I would get up from like around 5 a.m. to 10 p.m., cooking, cleaning, still no food, no school, and I didn't see my parents from or spoke to my parents, any of my family members, until the time I was rescued, which was... Um, which was I, I saw my parents after 18 years. I went for a reunion. Um, never went to school. I got to school when I was 18 going on. Uh, I was 18, got my GED, got, I went to a community college, got my associate degree. Now I'm working on my bachelor. I'm majoring in Homeland Security to become, to help fight human trafficking through Homeland Security because, Coming here legally, I didn't know I, I came here legally. My trafficker, of course, brought six of us. We won passport and separated us, uh, sharing us to other people that needed, like, not, you know, uh, needed help with their kids, cooking and cleaning. And if the rule were if you were not doing your job well, you'd be sent back to to Cameroon. You know, that was one of the rules you'd be sent back. And in my case. I ran away. Uh, there was another girl that came. It was actually my cousin that brought that that my that my trafficker brought, and she came and saw what was going on with me. And I was sleeping on the floor. I had no mm. bed. I have not eaten in how many days? There was like bruises all over my body, and so we decided. She said she she was older than me. So she said, we have to escape because if we stay there, I was going to die. And, you know, I was literally like in a, you know, verse of dying because I would go for like months, weeks without eating and working every day, sleeping on the floor. So we ran away and we went to a church. That uh, I went to a Catholic church. That's when I told my story and I got um, help from there. Law enforcement came, and a lot of different non uh, nonprofit organization came, and I told them my story. They investigated the story, went all the way to Cameroon, found out I was telling the truth, and even the blood stains from all the beatings that I was getting, they went and saw all of that, and took pictures, of course, of my body, all the bruises that I still have to today, and, just, and then identified me as a trafficking victim. Um, the reason why I like to share my story and the reason why I'm an advocate because I don't want it to have, for it to happen to anybody else. It has affected me really badly, and I'm still struggling with it mentally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm 28 now, but just imagine being taken at the age of 9 until 21, not, 
going to school, not being around people your own age, and the only life you know is cooking and cleaning and taking care of the kids and being abused every day, calling your trafficker, calling you stupid and dumb. You know, it's 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 funny how some of these organizations they rescue you, and they just think that you need your documents as as far as a foreigner like me. Once you get your green card, that is it because they think that's what you need. You know, you also need that mental help and stability. And education was so important to me. I wish they gave me enough time as far as education because even though I've come far with my education, but I'm still struggling with it mentally. You know, so it's good to have organizations like Cassandra that they're really trying to work on the recovery part, not only focus on okay, we rescued them, and that's it. Yeah, and and that's primarily the problem, you know, and I've heard that over and over in each of your stories from before, that it's when the help comes, it's very limited, and then there are organizations that are trying to do certain things for you that they were not set up for. They were given a, a small focus, and once that part of it is done, you're passed on to someone else, but there isn't necessarily that next organization that can pick up the uh, pieces and to move you forward from that point. You're sort of left on your own. Yes. Yes. I mean, which is it's funny because I can say the mental help I got really was the fact that we came up with the, the National Survival Network, which is how I met Sandra, Elizabeth, and many other survivors that are speaking and sharing their story to help other victims that that will soon become survivors. You know, the national survivors have really been, like, a good help for me as far as I found people that I could connect to, that they could mm-hmm. understand me, you know, even mm-hmm. they, that know where I'm coming from, and we help each other out. If I need some, if I need someone to talk to, I call Sandra, and I'm so grateful for someone like Elizabeth I met She's been helping me as far as tutoring with my classes. Like when I write my papers, I'm like, can you help me edit it? And thanks to her, I got 100 on my paper. And I'm just so impressed because I was in dying need of tutoring, you know, but I can't get that because most of the tutors, they want someone to pay them, and I don't have the money, you know. And it's I'm just so proud that we have survivors that are helping each other out. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I wish, you know, I, I love Cassandra organization because she's focusing on recovering with all the means, and I wish a lot of nonprofit organizations can really, really see that and do that for survival. It doesn't matter how old they are. They're still in need of help until they're strongly before you can say, okay, let's let them go, or even check on them later on again. And not a, not a lot of nonprofits don't have that. You know, and and that was something, too, that I noticed that I wanted to, to speak about as well as the bond that you all had. And um, even with Cassandra, um, you know, when someone's doing the real work and it's not about um, being in a position of authority, it's about being in a place where you could just do the most good. And, and that's what I, I first clued in to Cassandra and saw that that's what it was about. It was about the work. It was about um, making an impact. And um, <laughs> the camaraderie between you all, uh, it was really special to watch that as well. Even, um, you know, knowing that you guys are of the different age groups and different backgrounds entirely, but you were all like family. And um, Elizabeth is on the line as well. What would you like to share with us? Yeah, thank you. And hey, Evelyn, thanks a lot for mentioning the hundred on that paper. I'm still <laughs> flying high about being able to help you with that. Um, but I'd also like to go on record as saying, for somebody who really didn't get to experience a childhood, Evelyn, you're a very smart cookie, and I don't think you're going to have any problems getting through this college degree. Um, but I actually, my story is is a a little bit different, and yet at the same time has so many similarities um, to my friends, Evelyn and Sandra. Um, I am actually a family-controlled sex trafficking survivor. I was sold for sex by my father and my grandfather when I was a very young child. 
now you may be able to tell by the way that I'm speaking that I am American. I was born and raised in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., and I grew up with a in a middle-class family. My father was a banker. My mother was a librarian. We, um, we pretty much were about as American as apple pie, and, um, and yet behind the scenes, behind closed doors, there were horrific things going on within my family. Um, it started off as incest and sex abuse when I was extremely young, and it grew and escalated over time to be trading um, me to other adult males and then also selling me um, to other men as well as um, other pimps. So mm. it, uh, it, it really was something that I, I spent my entire childhood enduring. And like Sandra, I had a lot of issues getting people to believe me. Um, a lot of people assume when I tell my story that I never told anybody that this was happening, and that's actually not the case. I told quite a few people, um, but I was either discredited by my family. You know, I, I, I'm sure that you've heard of this whole Dylan Farrow that thing that's come up recently that everybody loves to just say, well, that's not possible, that child must be lying. Um, mm-hmm. Similar things. Similar things were happening to me. I was I was being told not to make things up. I was being told that my father was just too reputable of a man. He would never do such a thing. Um, and then in the cases where the person really did step out on a limb and believe me, I was faced with situations where where my father would threaten them. There would be some kind of power or control exerted over that person, um, and that person would off. So I spent a lot of my, my childhood trying to get help but failing. Um, so I did resort to some very dissociative defense mechanisms, which I've struggled with most of my adult life. And so I'm, I'm very happy to hear Cassandra talking about this need for long-term recovery because there's a long-term recovery aspect associated with education and basic you know, living needs, but there's also the long-term recovery options around trauma therapy and helping people to kind of take, you know, get anxiety under control, work on issues related to depression, work on issues related to um, just general emotional and mental well-being that um, is largely overlooked in our society as a whole, but then is certainly overlooked when people have suffered such severe trauma. Um, so, so I'm a big proponent of long-term recovery. And I'm also, because I am a domestic um, child sex trafficking survivor, I'm also focused a little bit on making sure we know that it's happening not only to foreign nationals that are coming to this country, but to Americans who are, who are raised here and who are going to school every day and are going to our affluent neighborhood hospitals. Um, it's happening to everyone, and, and we need to understand this. We need to bring our awareness around to that possibility because it is occurring. Uh, it's, it's just very critical. But I also wanted to mention something you, you talked about a little while ago, which is this idea of camaraderie and, and sisterhood that we have within the survivor community. And I think it's really important to understand, since I'm a family-controlled survivor, coming out of that family cult-like environment that I came out of, I had to leave my entire family behind. So I am really without that support network. It does not exist for me at all. Mm -hmm. It's very challenging, um, especially when, when life is already hard. And what I have found with the survivor community is that I do have that, that family connection. Um, and, and, of course, we all have an understanding for what, we've, what each of us has done through that I think is hard to find anywhere else. So, so I think it's, for me, having that kind of almost replacement for the family that I lost 
when I decided that it was it was time to open up about and speak out about my abuse and my trafficking is um, has been priceless and absolutely one of the most important parts of my healing process. Yeah, it, yes. Go right ahead. Uh, I, I just yeah, I just remember a uh, a small thing but become a big thing. Uh, since all of us mentioned about can happen to anybody, so I just want to highlight that anybody can be a victim, not only children, but also adults, men, women, transgender, people who live in poverty is mostly become a victim, actually no. So even people who are educated or rich also can lure to human trafficking. So all the people is a potential become a victim. And also don't forget, anybody surround you can be potential as a trafficker. Mm-hmm. So I want the listener aware about what I said. Thank you. Oh, thank you for that, Sandra. And um, before we, we go, though, I, I want you guys to talk a little bit about the relationship you have with one another, because I saw a lot of love in that room. And, um, you know, you guys supported one another. You, yeah. You, you sort of doted That's over one good. another as far as what your guys are doing now, got caught up on each other's lives and were, you know, keenly interested in every aspect. Uh, just tell us about um, your relationships because the the bond there was so special to me. I want to make sure we highlight that as well. Uh, I Martha, can I say something first? Oh, yes. Oh. Sure, absolutely. Well, I just want to say something first because I know these girls have a special bond and you can already hear that and see it <laughs> with their with their sister-hidden community. But I, I have to mention with Bridge to Freedom being a volunteer-led a new organization that we wouldn't even, or I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for them and their support as well. Yeah. That mm-hmm. we are a survivor informed and we look to have their input in everything we do. So they really are the backbone behind the organization and are a reason to keep striving and grow this organization to reach out to others who aren't always as as fortunate enough to have that camaraderie, to have been able to find other brothers and sisters within the community. Um, And I'm very lucky to feel like they are my family as well. But I will let them talk. (laughs) Yes. Uh, As a survivor, I'm Chandra, as a survivor, it's really important to connect with another survivor because we believe them. Mm-hmm. We trust them. That what they experience. We feel them. So the connection becomes a trust. And we do care without conditional without condition. So our love is unconditional. So we support them, they support us, we remind them, they remind us, we work together, we just care about each other and also the family members become our family because like like me, I, I came from like 24 hours by plane to United States, I have no family and they are my family, they, I can give them love and and also, I receive love from them. Mm-hmm. But caring is not same. It's different. It's kind of special. So it's what I feel. Without them, I have no strength. Even mm-hmm. I have my own. But with with them, with survivors, it make me more powerful. So I do love them. They are my family. <laughs> We love Very you good. Too. <laughs> is that Evelyn? Yeah, yes. it's, it's, we love <laughs> each other. <laughs> like Elizabeth also is always like give us the word of wisdom. So it's also empower empowers me in different way. With Evelyn always give me like motivation. So it's always motivate me. Yeah. So even and Cassandra, she always like connect us together. It's 
make us kind of someone support me from the bottom. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a good connection in between us. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just say this, and I'll let anyone jump in after this. The yeah. trust and the bond, okay, the the trust is different, okay? The trust and not only that, the support, because you can trust that that person not only understands you but would never hurt you. And I saw the connection to you guys because you knew when you were around one another that um, – there, there's nothing that's going to happen that would offend or, you know, hurt you emotionally. And I, and I could see that. It, it was just like you guys let down your guard when you started to communicate with one another. And it was totally different than when you were on the panel. And I saw that quick transition. And um, and just tell us about that. Why why do you feel so safe and confident around each other? Well, um, I'll go. For me, it's Evelyn. <laughs> <laughs> For me, right I feel Jump in there. <laughs> it's, it's the understanding, the fact that us survivors, we understand each other and we feel the pain of where we've come, you know, each person have come from, no matter that we're from different backgrounds, different situations, but just that trust, like um, Sandra mentioned, just the fact that, we we have that that understanding and that trust with each other because I have I have family members here. I mean, my grandfather had many wives, but you know I have family members there. Yeah, but I don't trust them, and they don't understand where I come from. They don't understand what I've been through. And I mean, for like example, my mother, my uncle was the one that made the arrangement that you know took money for me. He doesn't understand that he sold me into slavery. If you take money. That's that's selling someone, and my mother cannot understand that, and still feels that they were doing something good for me, not seeing the negative part of it. So I cannot talk to my mother about say when it comes to this. When it comes to this, I can talk to Sandra, I can talk to Elizabeth, or other survivors. I can talk to Cassandra because they understand the meaning of human trafficking. They understand the trauma. They understand everything I've been through. You know, so to just have someone that you can connect to and talk to you and then believe you and then understand you is is just, it really, really helps with the healing process. You know, because when you go out there, you still share your story. In my community, I still have people that backslash me, you know, and put message on my blog, hey, cram, like I do it for Mm. money or Oh, I'm only doing it. I mean, when my story first break out, it was, oh, she's doing it for green card. Oh, she's mm. doing it for attention, but not understanding that a little girl was taken and didn't go to school for a certain age and was being abused every day. So it was so wonderful to meet these other survivors that we have this story together and for them to understand me and hug me and show me the love that I've wanted for my family for so long. And, you know, it was just great. And to me, I have my blood family, but the survivor network, these survivors, they're my family. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, and I, I have to, and I have to add to what everyone is saying. And that, you know, since, since I was um, a trafficking victim by my, by my family, and, and it started when I was so young, um, I have spent my entire life feeling like I don't belong. Either I don't belong in my family or I don't belong in my community or I don't belong really anywhere. And so when I first started um, interacting with other survivors, I finally felt like there there is this group where I belong. And it, it was truly powerful and healing. I mean, the, the amount of healing that came from that alone cannot be underemphasized. So critical to, to just the whole process of of growing myself into a, a human being who who has self esteem and who has confidence again to know oh there's this community of people and we're sisters and brothers and we have had the same kind of experience in our life so incredibly important. Yeah. And thank you for that. Cassandra, I'm going to go ahead and let you close out and just give the particulars about how people can 
volunteer, how they can help by, you know, providing monetary donations uh, and where they can do that and just the whole ball of wax is how they can contact you guys. Okay, great. Well, before I do that, I want to quickly add to what the the ladies were all saying about that sense of community because one of the things I want to remind everybody out there listening, whether, you know, one, if you are a survivor, you know, please seek to to speak to someone and find someone you trust, whether you can find another survivor to connect with and start to, to share what you can about your story and seek out for help and find that sense of community, but also with the non-survivor community that we can be part of that sense of community and we can help them find other areas of community. It's very important, as we all know for ourselves, but if you're a church group, if someone comes up to you and says they're a survivor, as we already said, you know, first of all, believe them, but think about what you're saying and help them continue to have that bond of community. I was just speaking at a church um, last weekend, and one of the things I mentioned to that group is, you know, obviously where many people have heavy issues on certain things, politics, and so forth, and and especially in regards to things like abortion. You know, think hard before you start to say things and listen more than you speak Mm -hmm. because to start to put your viewpoints on there can ruin that sense of community that's already started to be formed that you're placing within that group. So if a survivor were to come up, you know, many survivors of sexual trauma and abuse have had abortions. It's not seemed as a decision of their own and your that judgment starts to fall and it breaks the community so many are forced to have abortions and you don't know that life and you can't put yourself in their shoes so don't um so i kind of wanted to bring that up and just start to think of what you know you can do if you do know survivors in your own community in your own area and and how you can help put them have that sense of community by not kind of stepping over the lines and being and, and quickly and give your contact information so Bridge to quickly. Freedom can be found at bridgetofreedom.org. We have all of the information on there. You can also find us on Twitter at BTFF and Facebook at Bridge to Freedom. Um, it's Facebook and Bridge to Freedom Foundation. You can also call into our office with any questions at 703-256-5718. And again, it's bridgetofreedomfoundation.org. And we are collecting and doing fundraising right now on Razoo.com for our violence prevention program to provide self-defense training for survivors. And we have that big campaign going if anybody would like to donate. The links can be found on our Facebook and website as well as Razoo itself. Okay, great. Well, thank you all for coming on, and we're out of time. But thank you again. And, Cassandra, we'll definitely have you guys back on again real soon, okay? Well, thank you very much, Michael, especially for having not just me on, but allowing me to bring all the ladies with me and let everyone hear their voices. Thank you. Today is just another day for most of us, but yesterday, millions of exceptional, brilliant people decided that they were going to do something this day that would change their lives for the better and potentially the lives of hundreds more. Some even awoke with an unheard of sense of determination, focus, and vision, ready to leap forward and make that big change in their lives. In reality, most awoke pretty much the same way as most of us with today's office grind, tasks, checklists, calendars, and chores for the day as their primary concern. Sadly, some forgot yesterday's decision when they awoke, and others were just too afraid to try, and some just too stubborn to change and many who forgot that tomorrow is not promised did not make it to see the sunrise today I can't emphasize this enough there is no time like the present whatever you want for your tomorrow the effort has to start today better yet right now God has embedded in us a will and life purpose We may succeed at any number of things, but this is the one thing that we can be assured to be much bigger than ourselves. It is our opportunity to accomplish the amazing, touch the lives of a multitude of people, and leave this world that we live in a much better place due to our efforts. Yeah, but first we have to take action. Take bold steps to crush our fear with confidence, destroy our insecurity with intense determination, and 
Implement a decisive plan that will turn obstacles into minor adjustments and defeat into monuments of mistakes that we will never make again, all because of the wisdom we obtained that special day. You know what? There is no stopping people who truly care about the lives of others. I would dare say that they are invincible because nothing can destroy the human spirit. Why is it that I feature nonprofits and charities on my show so often? It's not just because that they are awesome and a rare breed of individuals. It's because they selflessly do the work that matters because others won't. And just because it's the right thing to do. How huge is that? But they do need your help. They first need you to be informed and aware. And I think we've taken care of that. Next, they need you to take action. Become a part of this solution. Or is today just another day? You already did something great today. You woke up this morning. The question is, who will you be today? Take a close look. Therein lies a measure of truth. <laughs>